Turn in your Bible to Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4, and we continue with growing God's way. Before I get into that, I want to say what we're going to begin uh, in June, which is, is that next Sunday? Uh, next Sunday, right? Uh, we're going to begin an in-depth series uh, on the fruit of the Spirit. There's nine of them. Okay, and I may even have an introduction to that. And before we actually get into the fruit of the Spirit, there's nine. And so uh, I want you to begin to get geared up in your spirit and get geared up in that vein and know that God, as we, we grow God's way, He wants us to, to exhibit and, and bring forth, everyone say, much fruit. Amen. And so the fruit of the Spirit. In fact, before I, let's just see, without you looking them up, let's see if we can name them all. Who can give me uh, a fruit of the Spirit? Just raise your hand. Yes. Love. Joy. Peace. What? Now wait, now wait. You got to, okay. I got love, joy, peace. Those are the easy ones. Patience. What's another one? Kindness. Okay, over this, am am I at five or six? I'm at five? Give me one, somebody, the fruit of the Spirit. Long-suffering, that's patience, right, or endurance? Same thing? Huh? Goodness? Self-control? Gentleness? Did we get faithfulness already? There we go. All right, there you go. So see, even now, even in in that little exercise, how many of you realize... Ooh, I didn't even, ooh, I didn't even know some of them. How many of you don't know what they are? It's hard to exhibit them. <laughs> so that's where we're going. And so we've designed and developed even some opportunities through the week, uh, through the weeks, through the summer for you to get together in small, uh, groups. And uh, you'll hear more about that where you can discuss and, and apply and appropriate. So when you see that, those opportunities, don't just say, well, those are just, you know, Josh is going to hang out. And uh, hey, hey, we're, we're growing spiritually and to grow God's way. How many of you know a big part of spiritual growth is, uh, in getting together and growing together? And, and everybody said, amen. So that's where we're going. So are you in Mark 4? If you're in Mark 4, say, I'm there, Pastor. I'll say it when I get there because I'm not there. Here we go. I'm almost there. I'm there, Pastor. Amen. And so we've been talking about growing God's way, and our keynote verse is Matthew 5, 48. Uh, and, and in the New King James, it just says this. It says, Therefore, you shall be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect, But I love what the message says. Let's see what the message says. It says it's so much better than we can say it. It says, in a word, what I'm saying is grow up. Everybody say grow up. Tell somebody grow up. And he goes on to say, your kingdom subjects. Now live like it. Live out your God-created identity. Live generously and graciously towards others the way God lives toward you. And that's what we're here to do is to grow spiritually. And that's what we've been talking about. And oh, we've said a lot. We've uh, talked about the, uh, in, uh, the right environment for spiritual growth. How many of you know things to grow, they need the right environment? Right? You know, this morning... 
as I, I got up early before the sun rose and I, I get outside and I walk around and I'll turn on the porch lights. And when I turned on the porch light this morning, uh, on the, on my side exit, I walked out and there was a little toad frog. And oh, what was the toad frog doing? He was, he was finding food. He was, you ever sat and watched him? There? You know, you know what he was in his environment and he, you know what he was doing, what he needed to grow. Everything that grows needs to be in the right environment. You know, fish need the right environment, right? You can't, yeah, fish are not going to grow if there's no water or, and, and fish are not going to grow if there's no oxygen in the water and all those things. Even fungus needs the right environment to grow, God forbid. But all things need the right environment and that's what we've been talking about. And, and then last, uh, um, Sunday, we talked in Mark 4 about the what? The thorns. Living among thorns. You know, Matthew 4 is the parable of the seed, the sower, and the soils. Everyone say it this way. The soil, the seed, and the sower. And so the, it talks about those three elements. A sower went out to sow. And he, what did he sow? He sowed seed. But we know from Jesus' ex- explanation that he's talking about the Word of God. And the Word of God today, guess what I'm doing today? I'm a sower. I'm sowing seed today. And, and you and I have the responsibility to receive the seed. And so that illustration, uh, as we've looked at, there's different uh, types of soils and there's, there's uh, different uh, uh, levels of people's receptivity. That's what Jesus was teaching. So Matthew 4, it's the parable of the sower, the seed, and the soils. The sower is just the preacher, Jesus, whoever, who's preaching the teaching the Word, seeds the Word of God. And the soils is really our lives, our human heart. And how we are receptive to God and His Word. Are you with me? Say amen. And so last week we talked about the thorns. You know, in Mark 4, 18 and 19, it says, These are the ones sown among thorns. They are the ones who hear the Word and the cares of this world are really the, the, the distractions of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things entering in choke the Word and it becomes unfruitful. And so today, I'm going to lighten the load for you a little bit and talk about the good soil. That's our life. What it takes for us to be good soil for God's Word to come into our life. And and in fact, James said it this, receive the implanted Word which is able to save your souls. And so that's what we're talking about this morning. How many of you want to be good soil today for God's Word to come and and to and, and to set up residence in your heart? You don't want the thorns of this life to come and choke it out. You don't want the shallowness of life, the shallowness of soil to, to uh, 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 rob you of God's greatest productivity. But you want good soil. In fact, I love what verse 20 says. This is what good soil does. But these are the ones sown on good ground. Those who hear the word. Somebody say hear the word. Accept it. And bear fruit, some 30-fold, some 60, and some 100. Now, catch this right here. Catch the simplicity of spiritual growth here. Catch the simplicity of God's productivity in your life. There's two things. You gotta hear the word. You gotta be open to hear the word. In fact, uh, that, that 
actual word where it says hear the word, it's, it's, it's here with the intent of obeying the word. And then he says, accept it or receive it. Everyone say accept it. To accept God's word. In fact, I love this definition or the, <coughs> pardon me, this expansion of this thought. We accept the word means to allow it in with great delight. Everyone say to allow it in with great delight. Now think about that. That's, that's the, that's someone who, who receives or accepts God's word in their life. And there's some people that come to church and they got their, they got their, what's that eyebrow? They got, skepticism and and judgmentalism and and you know any kind of other ism you might want to do that would hinder you from being open to accept God's word to hear it and then accept it into your life you got to accept it with great delight in fact if you went to Acts chapter 2 when Peter uh, finishes preaching his first Pentecostal message and the church was birthed you know what it says about those people they received gladly the Word of God. Man, every preacher's dream is to be able to stand up and proclaim the Word of God and people come with an attitude of hearing the Word and accepting it into their life with great gladness and go, whoo, pastor, man, God is good. I receive that Word, man. It's, oh, it's, it that's the attitude that all of us need in order for us. Catch what it says here, look. Sown in good ground, those who hear the word, accept it, and then the, what do they, I'm going to accept it, I'm going to receive it gladly, and then what does it do? It does what? It, come on, say it out loud with me, bears fruit. And if you go to the Acts 2 passage, what began to happen? The church began to grow. People began to be added to the church daily, such as should being saved. People were growing spiritually. They were growing numerically. Why? Because they accepted into their life. They received gladly what God was saying. Somebody smile and say, I love the word of God. Come on now. Yeah, some, some of you, you, you might need me to lay hands on you suddenly here. I mean, this is a good day. Hallelujah. Uh, everybody say, God is good. And smile, you know, somebody says, you know, it takes more muscles to frown than smile. You gotta, you know, to receive God's word, you gotta be happy about it. Somebody say amen. And so, it's simple, it's, the simplicity is amazing. If you hear it, accept it, receive it with great gladness, you begin to grow spiritually. And so that's what I want to talk to you about today, the good soil and just define a little bit of that for you and help you along the way and in the journey to, to accept and receive the thus saith the Lord in your life so you can begin to be productive and maybe just define for you what good soil looks like, what, what our hearts look like. And so just kind of give a little definition and there's a lot of ways I could say it this morning, but let me just give it to you this way so maybe you can kind of embrace it a little bit. And in fact, uh, let me just say this, the, the Old Testament has a lot to say about this preparatory nature of our heart as well. Hosea 10 says, uh, verse 12 says, break up the fallow ground. In other words, prepare, it means to till up and prepare your heart to hear and receive, accept gladly what God has to say about you. Don't be an old hard-hearted believer. Uh, you know, in fact, uh, there's a lot Jesus says to, to disciples about 
hey, don't be so hard-hearted about what God's saying. Open your heart, be receptive. And, and he talks about people who have ears to hear, but they don't hear. Are you with me? Say amen. So let me give a little definition to this, this, this heart, this life of receptivity. Uh, you know, here's, here's just some definition. Uh, the good soil is, is really a hungry heart. If you're gonna, if you're gonna have good soil, it's reflected in the fact that you have a hungry heart after the things of God. In fact, what did Jesus say in Matthew 5 when he was talking about, we call it the Beatitudes. Everybody remember the Beatitudes? He blessed are that, blessed are the. And then about the third or fourth one, he says this, blessed are those who do what? They, come on, say it with me. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be what? Satisfied. There's an atmosphere. Let me tell you something. A hungry heart is good soil for God to begin to speak into our life and for what he says to come down in, and, and, and implant it into our life. And it begins to produce much fruit. If you're hungry after the things of God, how many of you know it's the hungry folks that get fed first? Are you with me? This morning, in fact, Beverly, she's, you know, Nathan's with us for a few weeks. Uh, he's about to move to Colorado. And uh, Be- I just have to prepare you, Nathan. Beverly said uh, uh, that it might be a, a what'd she say, a, tear- a cry fest. I said, a cry fest? Man, this is going to be celebration day. Uh, but but he comes out of his room. He gets a cup of coffee. She says, well, what do you need me to feed you? Do you need, what, what, you want me to, and I thought she didn't say that to me. It's fin for yourselves, for me. But her son's in town. Are you hungry? You need to eat something? He says, no, I, I'm, I'm not really hungry. Well, I can fix you something. I'm going, my Lord, he's not even hungry. She's trying to feed him. It's the hungry that get fed first. They get in the front of the line. I want to tell you something about receptivity to God's word and having good soul. You hunger after the things of God. It produces a, an environment where God can begin to sow into your life because it's the hungry and the thirsty that get satisfied. Are you with me? Say amen. In fact, Jesus hits this. If you're in Mark, look over at Luke and then John. Look what Jesus says about being hungry and thirsty. And he says in John 6, verse 35, he says this, Jesus said to them, I am the what? The bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger. If you just come to, you see, understand something. Jesus says, I'm what you need. If you come to me, you'll never hunger. And he who believes in me shall never thirst. He knew that, that, that there has to be a spiritual hunger. And he said, if you, hey, if you just come to me, I'll feed you. I'm the bread. I'm the life. I'm the living water. He says this in John 7, 37, uh, without getting too deep into the context. He said, on the last day, the great day of the feast. Now catch this. In other words, people have been, been loading up. How many of you love the feast day? Yesterday was my birthday. Somebody say happy birthday. It was my birthday. Happy birthday. That's my little birthday dance. It was my birthday. I'm 62, if you're curious. I know I'm a young-looking 62. I, I don't want anybody to be shocked or surprised that I'm so old when I look so young. But we feasted. Even in the midst of the storm, we feasted on crawfish. You know you know what Jesus said. He multiplied the bread and the crawfish. Hey, isn't that what he did in Louisiana? I don't know. But we feasted, and here's Jesus said, on the last day of the feast. In other words, everybody's sitting back going, 
Whoo, Josh said this. He's sitting on the sitting on the couch. He's going, I am loaded. Because after the crawfish, we had watermelon. And then after the watermelon, we had Beverly's homemade blow rails out of the water carrot cake. And Josh was going, ooh, I am loaded. That's the picture. And Jesus gets up and he says, if you're still thirsty or still hungry after all this feasting, he cried. It says he cried out, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. So Jesus knew that there was this, this, this necessity in our life for spiritual hunger. We know what it means to be physically hungry, hungry, but most of us don't understand spiritual hunger. But I want to tell you, we need to purposefully hunger after the things of God. It creates a, 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 a place in our hearts and in our lives for God's word to come down into our life and begin to produce fruit, some 30, some 60, some 100 fold. Somebody shout hallelujah. Amen. Man, you have to hunger after the things of God. Some people say, I'll never, I may never get done with this message. Some people say, well, pastor, I don't, I don't really hunger after the things of God. I never hungered after crawfish until I had me a few. And then I said to myself, I think I need a few more. I'll never forget one of the first crawfish uh, uh, feasts we had in Wednesday night, by the way, as our church-wide family fellowship, and it's crawfish night. But I'll never forget, we had a men's event in here before the sanctuary was here, and I looked up, everybody was done but me. Shannon, you'd been proud of me. You might have been there. I just, I just kept at it. I said, Lord, uh, you don't stop eating these things as long as there's some still in the ice, in the chest, you know. And so, hey, I developed a hunger and an appetite for that. That's the same way it is spiritually. A hungry heart is good soil for God's word to set up residence in our heart and produce much fruit. Number two, it's a healthy heart. You say a healthy heart. Let me just tell you, a lot of people live with heart trouble. And I'm not talking about your physical cardiology issue. I'm not the cardiologist, but I am a spiritual cardiologist. And most people live with heart trouble. You say heart trouble. In fact, well, Jesus said in, in John 14, 1, he said, let not your heart be what? Troubled. Don't... And, let not your heart be troubled. There's things in this life that trouble our heart that, that cause us to be unhealthy. Uh, and, and, and an unhealthy heart and an unhealthy life, uh, is not good soil for God. Let me, let me just explain it this way. What creates an unhealthy heart? Man, what causes heart trouble? How about unbelief? That's what Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In other words, hey, you don't fear here. You got to put your tr unbelief creates an unhealthy environment, if you will, and an unhealthy heart in our life. If you don't have faith, faith is the environment where things grow and, and, and are, are, are defeated in your life and, and victorious in your life where you have faith. And so unbelief, here's another one. How about the fact that, uh, unforgiveness? How many of you know if you got sickness of unforgiveness, the dis, the dis-ease of unforgiveness in your life, that's unhealthy. In fact, the Bible says if you're not forgiving, God can't forgive you. How many of you know it's hard to grow spiritually when you're all bitter and unforgiving towards even God or somebody else? And then unrighteousness. 
If we had time, I'd go back to 1 Timothy 6. We looked at it uh, uh, kind of in detail last week. You can go back and look at that online uh, and listen to it online. But let me just, exp- he's, he's talking about people who love money it's a, and they love things and they got their eyes off of the, you know, we're talking about things, those thorns. And it says they let those in and they pierce, it says they pierce them through. A lot of people are living life with heart trouble. Whether it's unforgiveness or unrighteousness or, 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 gosh, it could be so many different things. We let these things in and we get heart disease. But I love what Jesus said. He said this. He said, I come to help you with those things. He said, don't let your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. Wouldn't have, wasn't so. I would have told you I go to prepare a place. He said, in other words, I got this whole thing figured out. But unhealthy hearts hinder God's capacity to speak to us. But if we'll begin to deal with those things that have made us have heart trouble and heart disease in our life and we let God heal us up and we get uh, get that, ditch that unforgiveness and, and we ditch that unbelief and we ditch that unrighteous thinking and that unrighteous way of life and we begin to get a little spiritual health in our heart, guess what that is? That's a great soil for God's Word to be implanted. It's a healthy heart. A hungry heart. And number three, I love this one. A hope-filled heart. That's a great place for God's Word. That's great soil for God's Word. Hope-filled heart. Now, listen, even what Proverbs says. Uh, Beverly and I remembered this on the way. Proverbs 13, 12 says, Hope deferred makes the heart what? Sick. Hope deferred, follow me, makes the heart sick. In other words, if you lose your hope, you're spiritually infirmed. But on on the other side of the coin, or conversely, if you live with a sense of hope in your heart, which the writer of Hebrews says it's an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast. If you live with a sense of hope in your heart, guess what? It's not going to, you're not going to be sick. You're going to be healthy in your life and you're going to have a hope in your heart. Listen, I love uh, uh, what one pastor friend of mine definition of hope is. I've shared it for years. It's that confident expectation of good for your future. Uh, Beverly and I were talking and and, and whoever, I can't remember this was, uh, will name, remain nameless. But on Facebook, they're going through some issues. And man, uh, they're not exhibiting, they're, belie- they're believers, but they're not exhibiting faith. And man, it's just, oh, this is bad. I mean, it's terrible. And they're going through some stuff, but they're unloading. And I'm thinking, where's the hope in the middle of all this? Let me tell you something. At your darkest hour, Jesus lives on the inside of you and there's hope a confident expectation of good for your future. You know what that is? That's a great place for God's Word to come in and cause you to begin to grow in your life. Listen, hopelessness just makes you sicker. Hopelessness uh, hinders God's Word in your life. That's a hope-filled heart. Amen? Everybody say, hope in God. 
And you know God's hope. It's not that. Hoping in God is not like knocking on wood or doing rock, paper, scissors. I hope this turns out for me today. It's a confident expectation of good for your future. Listen, just by the end of that point right there, everybody should have stood up a little or set up a little higher and and, and had a little more confidence in God and and began, man, I have confidence in my future. I know God's good to me. I know he's going to take care of me and I'm not going to be hopeless in this situation. I'm going to have hope because Hope deferred makes my heart sick. But when I have hope, it brings health and healing into my life and produces the kind of soil in my life where God's word can grow and I can bring forth much fruit, some 30, some 60, and some 100 fold. A hungry heart, a healthy heart, and a hope-filled heart. And number four, a humble heart. Won't stay here long, but let me tell you something. God resists. What does He say? He resists the proud. But does but what does He do? He gives. Come on now. He gives what? Grace to the humble. And what does Paul say? Uh, to, help me, Josh. He says that we grow in grace and the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ, and and, and it's all His grace. But let me tell you something. Uh, you want to hinder the grace of God in your life? Stay cocky and proud and arrogant, uh, and, and you and God will resist you. You won't grow spiritually. You'll just be cocky, proud, and arrogant. And another, number two, you won't be very fun to be around. How many of you just love those cocky, arrogant people who think they know everything? Let's go out to eat tonight. God forbid. Are you with me saying that? Those people are lonely unless they got a lot of money. You know what I'm saying. But a humble heart is great soil. In fact, the scripture says, and I, I don't I won't go to all the different the scripture says, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, and he will do what? He will lift you up. He will he will take care of you. He will tend to you. It's a great environment for the Word of God to set up residence in our hearts. And we began to produce fruit. Conversely, a prideful, arrogant heart. God's Word is just like That's those people who hear but cannot hear. They have ears to hear, but they cannot hear. Eyes to see, but they cannot see because of the condition of their heart. So we have to humble ourselves in the mighty hand of God. And then finally, and and this is going to sound incorrect, but it's not. Let me rehearse the good soil. The the place where God's Word can come in and take up residence is 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 a hungry heart a healthy heart, a hope-filled heart, a humble heart. But then number five, follow me, stay with me, a hurting heart. Yes, hurting, H-U-R-T-I-N-G. That's good soil for God's Word to come in and set up residence. I'm not talking about an unhealthy heart. How many of you know you can be holy and, and righteous and still have a hurting heart? Your heart hurts. You, you know what? Does everybody know? Does everybody know what I mean when I talk about a hurting heart? A heart that is hurt, that is broken. What does it say? What does it say about God? He is what near to the brokenhearted. 
And could I tell you that most of the time the hurts of our life and the pains of our life are perfect soil for God to do a great work in our life and move us through the hurt. You know, we just want him to deliver us out of Hey, what did that? Yeah, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I'm telling you, he's not talking about just spooky places. He's talking about issues of his life and his heart that were pain. Yeah, though I walk through the valley of the shadow, I'll fear no evil for you aren't with me. Your rod and your staff, they, what did he know? He was near to the brokenhearted, those who are pain in life. And if I were a betting man this morning, I would bet that all of us have been or may be going through painful experiences as we speak. Luke 4.18 says, Jesus, you remember that this is his first recorded message. He comes out, opens the scriptures, and he begins to read from Isaiah. He says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Remember it? You know one of the key things he says? I came to do what? Heal the brokenhearted. And a hurting heart, a pained heart, can be a great place for God to produce much fruit in our life. Someone told me once, God never wastes a hurt. He never wastes a pain. In fact, let me prove this to you today. I want to read you about Jesus. Jesus had hurts. Jesus had pains beyond our capacity to understand. And it says in Hebrews chapter 5, considering Jesus Christ, it says this, So also Christ did not glorify himself to become high priest. But it was he who said to him, you are my son, today I have begotten you. And he also says in another place, you are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. And and so uh, I can't go off too deep there, but, but he's saying, I'm the son of God. You're the son of God and you are a priest according to the order of Melchizedek. That's the declarations over Jesus But it says, who, verse 7, in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications, catch this, with vehement cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death and was heard because of his godly fear. We're talking about Jesus here who pour sweat as it were great drops of blood. I'm talking about someone who went through some painful, hurtful circumstances. And it says about him, though he was a son, and let me just amplify it, though he was and is a priest, He learned, come on, now we're talking about growing spiritually and we're talking about good soil. So it says in the middle of his darkest pains, he learned obedience by the things he suffered. Could it be? 
of that painful place. That place that hurts so bad on the inside. Could really be good soil if we just receive God's Word gladly. He'll, he, he'll never waste a hurt. If Jesus learned obedience through the things he suffered, do you think we, we have been exempt from that kind of process in our life? I don't know about you, but I want my life to be good soil. So God, And His Word can be implanted on the inside of me and I can begin to grow and produce fruit. If we get, went back to that passage in Mark, it says you hear it, accept it, and begin to be productive because of it. Bear fruit. But if we don't have good soil, you know, there's one soil that is just rejecting. There is one in the beginning. It says it fell by the wayside. Some people say that's those unbelievers who don't believe in God. The word comes and, and they reject the word. Well, that can be an interpretation. But Jesus rebuked his own disciples about the fact that they didn't believe the word. They rejected the word. It's real. Hey, listen, there are people who I would consider and that probably are go on their way to heaven, who many in areas of their life, they are absolutely rejecting of God's word over certain areas of their life. And as a result, it produces no fruit. And then there's that soil that, man, it's shallow and it springs up, but because of the, the devil and other things, they, they fall away. And then there's the thorns that choke. But then there's the good soil. That's why the prophet Hosea said, break up the fallow ground. You see, we thank God for the Holy Spirit and the work of grace in our life. But listen, we have to cooperate with the Spirit of God and the work of grace in our life by, by producing and 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 come and complementing the work of the cross and complementing the work of grace and placing our life in a place. Hey, let me just say this. There's nobody else can humble you before the presence of God than you. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. There's nobody else can cause you to begin to hunger after the things of God any more than you. Jesus can, can whet our appetite, but he said, you got to come to me and you have to partake. Are you with me? And so this morning, God wants our life our hearts be reflective of good soil. And today as we close this service, may it be that we, as this word, accept to allow in with great delight 
I'm letting this word in with great delight. You know what I feel today? Even in the, some of you have reservations. That's not great delight. Some of you say, maybe so, maybe not. That's not great delight. Worst case scenario, be a good Berean and go to the Scripture and see if what I'm telling you is not the truth. Let's stand together. I want to pray for you today. I want to pray that God would help us prepare our hearts and lives. In fact, today, there may be someone here this morning. You have a hurting heart. You've got a pain in your life. And the first that you have never heard anyone ever tell you that that may be the best place you could ever be very place where God can produce much fruit in your life. Let's bow our heads before God. With every head bowed, every eye closed today, I want to pray for you. I want to pray for those who need to open up their hearts with gladness to God's Word. Father, today as we come to this moment of opportunity, we ask you, Lord Jesus, to search our hearts, search our lives and see if there's anything that is hindering or halting or undermining your word in our life. Any arrogance, any sin, any unforgiveness, any unhealthy attitude. Lord, help us, cleanse us. And even as David said, create within us a clean heart, O God. And renew us steadfast and a right spirit within us. Lord Jesus, as we bow our hearts before you, may the work of the Spirit of God and the ministry of the Word of God go to work on the inside. Now with every head bowed and every eye closed, the Bible talks about the Word of God is like a sword in our life and it pierces and it and it separates. And if you're here today and you can say, Pastor, yes, there's, this message is, is for me. And especially today, if you're carrying a hurt in your life, I don't know what it is. You're, you've got a hurt and a pain in your life and you've thought it was, uh, was designed to bring you down. And today you're embracing the reality that this may be your greatest growth moment, but you would like your pastor to pray for you. If that's you today, wherever you are, lift your hand and say, that's me. Pastor, I've got a hurt in my life that needs to be healed, and I know he came to heal the brokenhearted. Amen. I'm going to pray for you today. Lord, I pray for those who need a healing in their hearts. But Lord, I pray God that in this process you would never waste a hurt and you would use this moment in time, Lord God, for a great growth spurt in their life, for them to learn to trust you more, to them to learn to lean upon you more, for all of us to learn, Lord God, that you are in charge. And Lord, I pray God that, that those that may be here today who have a hopelessness down in the core of their being somewhere, I pray, Lord, they would realize that that needs to be plucked out and to me and and delivered out of their life. If you're here today, and, and come on, be honest with me today. Maybe you're watching by Facebook and there's a hopelessness on the inside of you. I'm telling you, the enemy wants to end your life out of the sense of hopelessness. Today, we have to hope in God, have to trust Him for our future today. If there's a seed of hopelessness on the inside, I don't want to embarrass anybody, but let's just let God have His way today.
today. Let's, oh, let's receive gladly what he's saying. If that's you today, lift your hand wherever you are. Say, Pastor, there's a little seed of hopelessness that I'm trying to keep at bay in my life. I see that. And I want it to die. I don't want it just to coexist in me. I see that. Father, today, I pray you would begin to birth a fresh hope in hearts, Lord. Hope, Lord God, deferred makes the heart sick. But I pray the hope of God would arise today, Lord God, in all of our lives. And Lord, this seed and this, this hopelessness, Lord, would be plucked out and it would die at the root in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Whoo! Everybody say good soil. You see, though you're living among thorns, you can have good soil. Good soil for God's Word to grow in our life. Hungry heart. How many of you are hungry for the things of God in your life? Ah, amen. Hallelujah. Well, God, we thank you for the Word of God today, and we thank you that it's going to bring forth much fruit in our life. Lord, we open and accept what you have to say with gladness in our hearts. And Lord, we thank you for fruitfulness today, that Lord, productivity will begin to explode in our midst, some 30, some 60, and a hundredfold. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. God bless you. And let's give the Lord some praise today and thank Him for His Word in our life. Amen.